Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. Let's join Pastor Paul Carlson for today's message. We're going to start a brand new series today. You know, we, we, we finished one last week, and, and uh, the series that we're going to get into is called Harmony. And um, I'm not going to tell you any more right now because I think it'll be evident as we go. But uh, I'm, I'm really excited about it. In Ephesians chapter 4, you know, if I was going to take a portion of Scripture and say this is kind of what it's about, this series, I think I'd be drawn to Ephesians chapter 4 to kind of give you an overview of what we're going to be talking about. And, and uh, I don't think I'm going to read everything to you, but, but just starting in verse 1, you know, he begins, he greets the people and talks about the callings that we have. Do you know there's a calling on your life? Did you know that? Each one of you, there's a calling. You're something. You're somebody. You make a difference. You're not insignificant. You have a part to play in the plan of God. Okay, yeah. So, you know, he, he begins by talking about that. He talks about how to walk out your calling, to, to endeavor to, you know, be gentle and meek and, and walk in love with the people around you, not to, you know, be a brash, but to kind of flow with the people of God. And, and he talks about, I love this in verse 7. I'm going get, to get to these places. Uh, he, he talks about this, that to each one of us was given a grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. He says, every one of you have a grace in your life. Now, in this particular case, when he talks about having a grace, you know, what he's talking about, he's talking about it, a God empowerment. He's talking about you have been equipped and enabled to be who you're supposed to be. I mean, that's pretty cool. You know what I love? is that I don't have to try to be Pastor Stephen. I could never fit into those tight jeans. No. <laughs> no, but, but no. But, you know, I mean, I, I look at him, and I, I, there's things, so many things I just admire about him, and I think, wow, I wish I could do that. But you know what? God wants me to be me, and he wants you to be you, and he wants him to be Pastor Stephen. And by the way, you know, in this series... Let me cut off a minute here. In this series, you know, uh, I know Pastor Stephen, actually next week, next week is going to be preaching on the same topic. And, and uh, towards the end of this series, I won't say it'll be the absolute end, but there's going to come a Sunday that's going to be absolutely different from a normal Sunday. And we're going to only have one service that day. So it won't affect you guys in the least because it's going to be at 10.30. And we will have kids' ministry that day, but, you know, it's not going to look like the typical service, okay? That's all I'm going to tell you. So, anyway, we'll let you know when that's happening. But, you know, it says that to each one of you is given a grace. And, and you know, the thing I find is... You know, sometimes people talk about burnout in the body of Christ. Oh, I'm just so burned out. You know, you know, I went to that church. You know, I, I was praying that God would use me, and I went to that church. And I tell you what, I feel used. Well, you should rejoice. You had your prayers answered. But, but, but you know, uh, the thing is, I think when people get burned out, I think a big problem is, is that people are not running with the grace God's given them. Just because there's... A need doesn't mean that you're the one that fills it, 
oh, can pastors say that? I almost feel like, ow. Oh. No, I'm telling you what, what it takes in this body, what it takes in the body of Christ is everybody being who God made them to be, okay? Your part might look different than somebody else's part. That's okay. Like Pastor Stephen said today, be you. Be you. Be the you that God made you to be. Because there's, there's such freedom in that. You know, um, it's important to run. You know, I, I remember in Haiti, there was this lady that, that we became acquainted with. Her name was Sister Ollie. She has since gone to heaven. Uh, actually, when I lived in Haiti, she went to heaven. And, and it wasn't, she wasn't mad at me or anything. Didn't go because I was around. But anyway, she went to heaven. But she had a grace on her life that was incredible. She had like, I, I'm, I'm throwing this number out because honestly, I don't know. She had like five orphanages though. Like five of them. And she oversaw all these orphanages. And then the big thing that she had was a food ministry. A food ministry. And you say, well, shouldn't we all? And I tell you, it takes grace to run a food ministry anywhere, let alone in a country where people are starving. You know what can happen when you have a food ministry? You can have a riot. You can have a riot because people see the food being given and they run and they don't care. They'll run you over like a stampede. I remember one time we were down in this place in Haiti. We used to tell this to missionaries. We'd go to this one part. It was called City of... Well, in the old days, it was called City of Simone. And they changed it after the revolution to City of Soleil because anything that had anything to do with a former dictator in, in way of names, they changed it. Got rid of all the money, changed the money, did everything. And Simone went to Soleil, which was better. It was a city of light. But I'm telling you, this was the most poverty-stricken area I've ever seen in my life. And you could see a picture of it, but it wouldn't tell you because you couldn't smell it. It was literally a big sewer running through a part of town, and people lived on the, on the, on the shores of it. And the sad thing, I'll give you a real story. The sad thing is most people lived and died there and never walked out of that area. It was two square miles. But most people never ventured out of there that were born there. They just lived there their whole life and died, didn't know there was anything else. But one time we were down there with a team, and, and one of the people, and I can understand why, they started to give candy out. I'm telling you, we had to run for the vehicle and get out of there. It stopped everything we were doing because people went wild. There was a stampede following us. It looked like a cartoon or something. We had to run. Terry Nelson with them big long legs just running like crazy, trying to hit the truck, you know, and, and get everybody out safe. So there's a grace. And this lady we knew, Sister Ali, I mean, she was wild. She knew how to handle a food ministry. I didn't know how to do it. Stay with the grace God's given you. When you run with your grace and they run with their grace, I'm telling you, it's a beautiful thing. It takes the body. takes the body. And so, you know, Paul writing here in Ephesians, he says, you know, each one of us have been given grace, so, so run with that grace. And then he goes on, he talks about Jesus, and he talks about how Jesus died. He went to hell and was raised from the dead. And, and when he was raised up, it says he gave gifts unto men. And he talks about the pastor, the evangelist, the prophet, the apostle, the teacher. Not in that order. 
I should have said it the right order. But in any case, he talked about five ministry gifts. And he says, and the reason that these gifts, these ministry gifts were given to the body of Christ, the reason that it was given is found in verse 12. And it's for this, it's for the equipping. Can you say equipping? Of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So the way God set it up, as he put in these, these ministry gifts for the equipping of the saints so that the saints could do work of the ministry. Isn't that amazing? You know, it's so important to be plugged into a local church. Okay, I know, I'm preaching to the choir. You guys are plugged in. But it's important, you know, in, in this day more than ever, to be plugged into a local church. Why, you might ask? Because God will work through the local church for the equipping, equipping and perfecting of the saints. He'll grow you and I up in the local church. You know, I've lived long enough as a Christian, and I've seen this, that it's important to be connected. And even as a church, it's important to be connected. You know, as a church, you know, we're connected with other believers and, you know, we're connected with Rama. If anybody's heard of Rama, Rama's the school that I went to and we're part of the ministerial association there. We've always been part of some group because it's important to be connected. I've seen people that have just cut themselves off as individuals and I've even seen it as churches that they just cut everybody off and you know what happens? They get weird. Do you know why? Because we need each other. Do you know why? Because that's how God designed us. Why? Ask him. I'm just telling you the truth. Okay? <laughs> yeah, I know. Somebody was asking why. I know it. Anyway, every person is important. And it takes every person in their place doing what God has graced them to do to have the full impact in this earth. Some people, you know, I'm telling you, I've been around long enough too to hear these lies in my own little head. Like, where do I fit in? What is my part? Is what I'm doing really making a difference? And I'm here to tell you today, yes. It makes a difference. You make a difference. You have a supply that God fashioned that we need. That we need. All right, let me go on here. So, you know, he goes on, and he, I'll just read a couple things here. He says that we'd no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine. There's a safety in being connected in the body, in the church. By the trickery of men, the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, verse 15 says, but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things who is the head, even Christ. Verse 16, last one in the, the, that I'm going to read, from whom the whole body joined, knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So we're talking about harmony, harmony. Now, can this be a little different? This service can be a little different? You guys okay with it being a little different here today even? You know, eh? you know every service is different, right? So, you know. All right. I, I've got this song. Here's what we did is we took a song, and, and I had to search to find this, but we broke it, found one that was broken up into parts. 
And if I played the whole song for you right now, you'd, some of you my age would recognize it. And uh, some of you might, who knows. But in any case, let's just play the first little uh, part there. Nick, go ahead. One, two, three, four. It's catchy, isn't it? Yeah, all right. Now you know what's going to happen around Tuesday. You're going to be sitting there drinking coffee, and all of a sudden you're going to go, dun, 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 dun. Where'd that come from? It came from church on Sunday. I'm sorry. Tell you, all week, Pastor Stephen and I have been dissecting these parts, and I'll tell you, we've had them in our head. We can sing about two words, and we know what the other one's going to sing next because it's just been ingrained in us this week. And I'm sorry for anybody if we're ingraining this in your head, but get the point that we're trying to make this morning. All right, so, you know, you heard that one. There's a one, two, three, four, and then there's this long gap. And you're thinking, ah, what is going on? I can't even handle this kind of silence. What's happening here? Sometimes that's what the body of Christ, that's what ministry of helps can be like. Sometimes you hear the go sign, and then there's this gap before you ever get to make your noise. I remember one time, Dana and I, you know, years ago, we'd gone back from the mission field and we came into a church to, to start. It was a startup church. It was 25, 30 people that were there. And we came in and, and, and I remember, you know, because of what we'd came out of and, and the condition in our life, I said to the pastor, I says, listen, I said, we're just going to sit for like six months. And he's like, okay. You know, honestly, I think God had told me that I needed to do that, but it was hard for me to do that. But I needed to. You know, sometimes in life, it's okay to just sit and take it in. But know this, there's coming a day, there's coming a time when your voice is going to be heard. In fact, it's important in following God that you not only hear God, but you hear the timings of God. Because sometimes people have a voice, but when they bring it forth at the wrong time, it isn't received the way it's intended to. And sometimes you bring it up in the wrong time and it throws a confusion even. You know, like, hey, where'd that come from? You know, thank God for, for Hannah. You know, she's playing the keyboard up here, you know, this morning and she knew the right times to come in. And Sarah, I could say it about everybody in there. But uh, so anyway, in Acts chapter 6, sometimes there's a preparation time. But hear me this morning when I tell you this, that preparation time is never wasted time. When you're in the middle of preparation time, sometimes your head can tell you all kinds of funny things like, what are you doing? And, and you know, that's what preparation time can be like sometimes. You're wondering when is the next step. But I want to tell you, soak up preparation times. Because God does things in you that enables you for the next step. So in, Ephesians, in Acts chapter 6, you know, uh, again, I'm gonna, if I was going to read, I'd read chapters or verses 1 through 7, but here's the deal. The church is in its early stages, 
and, and the apostles are on the scene. There's the 12 of them. You know, they replaced the one that they lost and, and they're, they're going strong and, and they're preaching the word. I mean, we saw miracles happen. We saw, saw thousands getting saved in, in one shot, you know, just because they're obeying God and following his lead. And, and, and it, it gets to this place, though, where there's some turmoil in the camp because the widows weren't being taken care of and, and there were some natural, practical things that were sliding because growth was happening, okay? And so it was brought to the apostles and they said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pull out, was it six or seven guys? Anyway, seven? Seven is a nice number if it was seven. Yeah, seven men of good report that are full of wisdom and full of the Holy Ghost. And what are they going to do? They're going to wait on tables. Here's the thing I see. Is, is, you know, the apostles brought this out. They, you know, they prayed, I'm sure, and, and got this wisdom. They said, let's pick out seven men of, of good report, full of the Holy Ghost, full of wisdom, and let them wait on tables to free us up to do the work of ministry, of the word and prayer. And, 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 and here's the deal. It seems like a natural thing that they had them doing, waiting on tables, but don't ever look at it as a natural thing. Whatever God has called you to do at any stage, season of life, approach it with the supernatural. Approach it with the ability of God that's working through you. You know, if you're called to, to usher right now, you say, well, how do I know if I'm called to usher? Well, maybe, maybe you see the need and maybe you say, you know, I could see myself doing that. In, you know, but might be a stretch. Well, that's good. God will always stretch you. You know, one guy said it like this. He said, achievers for God will always shatter comfort zones. What is it about God? He's always causing us to shatter comfort zones. So, you know, maybe you, you, you see the need for an usher and you say, I could see myself doing that. Well, don't just look at it as I'm going to go in there and I'm going to pass the offering plate when they need it. That's what it may look like. It's far more than that. As an usher, you walk in, you believe this. God has anointed me and equipped me to keep order in the service today. Why is that? So that people receive everything God wants them to get. I'll tell you what, I, I, I hear the Spirit of God telling me things before they happen. I, my faith is out there over the people in my section that every one of them is going to receive supernatural ministry today. I'm out there. My faith is out there that the love of God is so real that people can't escape it. See, this is what ushers do. They come into the job and they take their place. Everybody I touch today is full of the power, senses the power of God. Now, you don't tell everybody that. But that's what you believe. You believe that there's any kind of, of, of disruption I have absolute wisdom to know how to handle it. You see, you don't approach natural things with natural mindsets. You approach them with the mindset that God is living in me. He's equipping me. He's bringing me to the place I need to be, and he's teaching me right now. I have learned more in life serving in the ministry of helps I learn more doing that sometimes than I do hearing the, the excellent preachers preach like me. <laughs> you got to know me, you know. Anyway, um, I, I've been trained in that area. 
Sometimes the things I learn in church serving in the ministry of helps give me the answers to things I need on my job. Sometimes I've, I've served in church and then I get out on, on, a, on you know, back in the day I was on the, in the workforce and problems would come up and it would come to me, you know what, we dealt with that in church. God teaches me that way. You know, the training that we read about in Ephesians chapter 4, you know, through the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, thank God for that. The training includes being involved in a local church. So, so anyway, I, I was reading Acts 6 here, and these, these, these seven men full of wisdom and the Holy Ghost, they took these jobs supernaturally. I didn't mention the names of, of them, frankly, because I don't quite know how to pronounce all of them. But there's one that I do know how to pronounce, and his name is Philip. He was part of the seven that the apostles prayed for, that, that set in place in the, in the body to, to minister, to wait on tables. Philip was one of the seven. And, you know, you don't hear about Philip again until chapter 8 of Acts. And the next thing you read about Philip is that he's in this city called Samaria. And he's preaching the word to the people of Samaria. And it says that the whole town came out to hear him. And they were saved. And many people were, were sick, were healed. People that had demons were delivered from demons. And I love this in, in chapter 8 talking about Samaria. At the conclusion of the description it says this. It says there was great joy in the city. Wow, that's amazing. I would dare say this, that if Philip hadn't approached the ministry back in chapter 6 the way he did, we wouldn't have seen the results in chapter 8 that we see. It's because God trained him, God equipped him, and God made him ready for what he had before him in Samaria and we found other places through the book of Acts where God used them. Praise the Lord. God will equip you. He'll train you in the ministry of helps. Let's have the next uh, session here. What do we got? Oh yeah. Anyway, well, let me, let me know this. I'm not a drummer, okay? <laughs> I really work hard to clap my hands with the beat. When the people up here lead and quit clapping their hands, you'll notice I always quit because if I don't, I'll throw everybody off in the congregation. But I'll tell you, there's a gift. There's an anointing, people that drum. And so as I was looking at it this week, what I did is I was looking at the different instruments and I was trying to picture what an instrument might say or a player of the instrument might say, what, what might go through his mind as he's playing something as beautiful as we just heard up here. Do, 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 do. Well, a drummer might think things like this. You know, he might think, wow, I'm in my own world. In our case, we have him behind a cage, you know. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of thoughts that he could have. He could have this. He could say, well, does anybody really appreciate what I do? Boom, 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 boom. All people ever do is hear how loud I am. Boom, 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 boom. All I do is hear this. Boom, 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 And that right, Aaron? I tell you, am I really making a contribution to the beautiful melody and harmony of the song? Boom, 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 boom. Well, let me tell you the truth about it. Is this? As a drummer, is very important. 
In fact, a drummer, maybe more than all the other members of the band, they keep the beat of the song. And if a drummer goes off, it doesn't just affect him. You know, you know uh, the guitar player might go off, but they got fancy little licks they can throw in there to make it look like, like they didn't miss a beat, but they really meant to do that. Wah-wah and all that, you know? That's what distortion was made for. You know, pedals and... Yeah, but a drummer, he sits there and hits that thing, boom, 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 and he goes off, it throws everybody off. A drummer's very important. You know, he, 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 he keeps the beat. We, we had a guy, in, in, when Dane and I lived in Haiti, was back in the, the 80s, we lived in the, the country of Haiti, we lived in a town called Carfu, which is a suburb of Port-au-Prince. And, and in our time there, one of the things that we'd have is we'd have different ministry teams would come down from churches across America, and they'd come, and, and, and you know, we, we looked at it as a twofold blessing. We were seeing people getting to use their gifts, and the people in Haiti were getting ministered too. And, and um, so we, we, we met a lot of really interesting groups that would come down over the years, over the time that we were there. And, and uh, you, know, mo- you know, they're great people. But I remember we had this one team down, and, and my good friend Scott was on this team. And Scott was somebody who came down often to Haiti. Somehow it was in his heart back in that day. And, and uh, him and I had many adventures. And, and uh, even before Dana and I were married, Scott would come and visit me, and we'd go off and preach in the woods somewhere to people that maybe never heard the gospel. And, Twice, on two occasions, Scott and I were almost stoned, you know, and I meant that, you know, with the, the biblical sense, with rocks and stuff, that kind of stone. And, and uh, you know, we just had, we, we had adventures. And, but one thing about Scott is he was just so routine, and I just loved that about him. And, you know, I remember this one team Scott was down uh, in Haiti with, and, 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 you know, we had rules that we'd put up in every room of, you know, that we asked people to go by. And they just seemed so natural, so unspiritual. Do they really make a difference? We had rules like make your bed. We had rules like sweep your, your room out daily. We had rules like uh, don't eat in your bedroom. And, uh, you know, and if you did eat something, clean it up when you're done. These were the kind of rules we had. You know, pretty simple. Every, every mom and dad have you laid them rules out to their kids. But we would do that. But, you know, some teams would come down, and they were really spiritual, and they did a lot of great things, but sometimes they'd ignore those rules. Scott, I just loved it. Like clockwork. Every day the guy would make his bed. He'd sweep his room and clean up and do his devotions. He was just there, ready to roll. Well, one time, this team, you know, Scott had done his part, but the other team, man, they were doing Kool-Aid parties and all, you know, not in a bad way either, but, but uh, doing stuff. And, 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 and after they left, this is what we had to deal with. For like two weeks after this team left, because they didn't follow the rules, they didn't keep their beat, we had to deal with tarantulas. Did anybody have to deal with tarantulas? We had tarantulas coming into our home. And, and I'm telling you, you ought to see Dana when she sees the tarantula. It's very entertaining, you know? Almost enough that I would deal with the tarantulas just to watch Dana entertain me. But, uh, I mean, tarantulas are interesting creatures. I mean, one, I killed one one time out on our back behind the shed, and it was so big that, that uh, its legs were like the size of Dana's pinky. 
and, and uh, it had gray hair, gray hair. How do I know? Because I killed it. And how did I kill it? I killed it with a garden rake, uh, a really hard one. And when I killed it, it bled. It was like killing an animal. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I know, I know. I'm just telling you what we were dealing with. And, and, and this is how I first discovered tarantulas in our home. Is I'd get up in the middle of the night, you know, I was thirsty, I'd go get a drink. And, and uh, I'd turn the light on in the kitchen, and there's tarantula walking across the floor. And you know, you see in the movies a tarantula, they go really slow like that. But I tell you, in real life, when they see you and they're scared, they run as quick as a mouse. And they get to a wall, they just run right up the wall, run out of, your, out of the reach of my broom. And, and uh, so I remember for two weeks, we just fought those things. It was like we had an infestation of tarantulas. You know what? It threw me off my beat. It threw me off my groove. I was spending time at the hardware store finding everything I could do to get those tarantulas. Keeping Dana calm. So, all right. So everybody has their part. Well, is my part make Yeah, your part makes a difference. You may not see how your part fits in, but in the big scheme of it, your part makes a huge impact. Let's have the next... Uh, the next one here. Oh, yeah. All right. Remember, you heard it first here at Liberty. All right. So, the bass. What does the bass say? Here's what the bass says to me. He says, I am so repetitive. I'm, it seems like I'm doing the same thing over and over and over. Is everybody just so tired of hearing me do it? Pastor Stephen gets up every week. And, and there's things he says. He said today, he says, I say this every week. I'm telling you what, we need the bass. I love a good bass. I love the, I love the rhythm you know, which I don't have, but I love, I love that they're in their place doing their part. And when you don't have a bass, you know, I tell you, it makes a difference. It makes a difference. I like to feel the bass. Yeah. <laughs> Blowing my hair back and all that. So in 1 Samuel 16, doing, doing your thing, doing it day in, day out. 1 Samuel 16, there's a story here about David. And, and David was one of the, you know, at this time in his life, man, he was a bass player, doing the stuff every day, routine, keeping it all going. What was he doing? He was life on the farm. There was a family full of farmers. Jesse was the dad, and he had a, he had a slew of kids. And, Je and David, he had his part to play taking care of sheep. So there's this big event that happens. The prophet comes to the house of Jesse, and the prophet comes by order of the Lord, and he's out there to seek out and find the next king. Can you believe it? And, 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 and the Spirit of the Lord directed him to go to Jesse's house, so he gets there and he says, Jesse, could you bring your boys in the room here? And, you know, he goes down the line. You can read the story in 1 Samuel 16. Comes to the first one. I think his name is Eliab. And he, he says, wow, surely this is the Lord's anointing. He's, he's tall and he's handsome. He's a good-looking guy. I think he's the king. And the Lord says, no, that's not him. He goes to the next one and the next one and the next one. And none of them seem right. And then he goes to Jesse, the dad, and he says, hey, where's, you got any more kids? And Jesse goes, well, yeah, there's one out in the field. 
You're the bass player. You might be thinking this. You might be doing the same thing over and over and over. You know, maybe it's serving coffee and, and water. I appreciate coffee and water being served because it's more than just serving coffee and water. It's ministry in life. It's hospitality. It's pulling people in and loving on people. And, and, and so maybe you've been doing that and you think, does anything matter? Does anybody ever see me doing this? Does God see me doing this? How will he know when it's time for promotion? He won't even know where I am because I'm not even in the service. I'm, I'm doing something else. Hey, God knows where you're at. He sees the service you're doing. He sees the helps that you're doing. And he sees the anointing on your life. He says, Jesse, do you got any more boys? He goes, yeah, I got one out in the field. He brings them in. And he may not have been the, the tallest. He may not have been the most handsome. But I'm telling you what, when the prophet Samuel saw him, he says, yes, that's the one. God spoke to him and said, that's the one I've called. He's appointed and anointed for service. Let's do the next one. Now, if you're my age, you may know that song by now because the clarinet comes in and it gives you the melody. It gives some definition, you know, and I was sitting there really praying about it and asking God, what does clarinet say in the whole scheme of things? And what came to me is clarinet comes into the room and is this sassy person. It's like, yeah. And clarinet comes in. Dana, you know, I pulled on Dana. I pulled on Pastor Steve and I says, what does clarinet say? What does he say? And Dana says, clarinet says, I'm the elephant in the room. I'm, I, this is who I am. I'm filling up space. I'm big. I'm monstrous. You know, this is the kind of thing clarinet could say. One thing clarinet would maybe have to watch out for is, is you know, pride. Because, you know, all the other things we've played, you know, uh, the drums and the, the, the bass, you know, they, 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 they kind of have their thing. And the, the piano, even the piano, you know, you couldn't really define it. If, you're, if you grew up in my age, you may recognize the song by now because clarinet came in and played some stuff that's familiar. And everybody looks at him and goes, oh. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you what. Whoever you are, whatever you do, you've never got such definition. You've never got such a place in life that you don't need other people. In this case, clarinet is like a familiar character. He's like Moses, okay? And Moses, in Exodus 17 was leading the children of Israel to the promised land. And on this journey, there was some, some, some enemies that came down to try to mess with Israel. Okay, that's how it was. That's how it was, you know, life happened. And, and so they'd pray and they'd seek God, what do we do? It's an important thing to do when problems come your way. When you're being attacked, go to God. Ask Him for direction. It's so the thing about walking with God is... He just doesn't have pat answers for you. Okay? Explain that. When crises happened, just because something worked last time doesn't mean that's what you should do this time. There's a freshness that we walk in as believers where we hear the Holy Spirit and He shows us what to do now. Okay? So, Moses, 
seeking God, God get, tells them, you'll have the victory. And this is what he tells Moses. He says, go up in this high place where everyone can see you. And as your hands are raised, the victory is yours. Wow, that just blows my mind. If I was Moses, I'd be like, what are you telling me, God? I'm just go up there and raise them. What if they chuck a spear at me? I mean, hey, shoot arrows. I'm No, go up there and raise your hands, and I'll give you the enemy. You'll overtake them. So Moses goes up there, and after a while, as he's got his hands raised, Israel is, is winning the battle, but Moses is a human being, and his hands begin to droop. And as they do, the victory begins to, they lose grasp of it. And, they, and, and they're saying, what's going on? And Moses' hands are drooping. So they send these two guys up there called Aaron and Hur. Hur is spelled H-U-R. And they go up there and their job is this. Their job is to get on either side of Moses and hold up his hands. And they did that till the day was over and they won the victory. You say, what's your job in the body of Christ? Well, I'm supposed to hold up Moses' hand. Seems insignificant, but I'm telling you, if they didn't do it, they'd have been wiped out. Nobody stands alone. Everybody needs the body of Christ coming to lift them up, okay? You know, here in this church, you know, people, because we're visible, people can think, you know, Pastor Paul and Dana and Pastor Stephen and Kara, they're liberty. Let me tell you, I, I argue with that. I can't take that kind of weight. I can't hold my hands up like that. I'm telling you what, we need each other. When it comes to this body and the vision and the, min, the mission of this body, you guys are not just fulfilling our mission. You guys are the mission. You're what we're called to. So let me play the last little bit. And if this song gets in your head, I apologize beforehand, but it proved a point. Go ahead, Nick. One, two, three, four. Nobody heard that song as many times as I have this week. So, <laughs> and Pastor Stephen. Oh, yeah, 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 you too, you too. Anyway, so it takes everybody to make the song. It takes all of us working together, taking our place. And again, I, I, let me say this again. Everybody's part doesn't look the same. Everybody's not called to be an usher. Everybody's not called to be in worship. Everybody's not called to serve coffee. Sometimes there's things outside of this building that people are called to. But I'm telling you what, if you're doing stuff outside of this building, you're part of the body here at Liberty. The grace is upon you that's on us. You're doing your part is what's important. Jesus said this in Matthew, I'm, I'm winding down, Matthew 28. 
Jesus' mission was this. He said this. Jesus came and spoke to them and said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. You know what? God's heart is for the world. God's heart is for every person. There's no uh, boundaries with God's love. He loves every people group. He loves every nation. And his mission is to spread the good news of Jesus to every person. Now, our mission at Liberty that you are, you're part of, and you are, is this, that people would practically experience and express the love of God by the Holy Spirit. Did you hear that? Not just express it, but experience it and express it. Our, our heart has always been this, that we as believers get so full of life, so full of God that we give to, by the overflow. You get around us, man, we're so full. Woof, you know, it's like trying to balance one of them glasses, you know. You get a whole tray of glasses and they're filled to the absolute rim and, and you're balancing it you get by somebody and boom it spills on them that's how we are not just to be empty and give everything no to be so full and overflowing that we affect people around us full of what full of the love of God that we've experienced and we distribute that's our mission Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. To partner with this ministry or for any additional information, please visit libertychristiancenter.org.